Well, I tell you what, there is no other couple I'd want to link arms with than this couple right here, Pastors Greg and Starlene, and I'm just so thankful, and I, I can speak for Tony um, to be partnered up with you guys and to be doing life and ministry. Uh, we are so blessed and so so thankful and, and just looking forward. The best days are in front of us. Well, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we just come to you in the precious, matchless, wonderful name of Jesus, the name above all names. Father, we enter boldly into the throne room of grace tonight in Jesus' name, that we might obtain your mercy and find your grace to help in the time of need. Father, I just thank you for the great teacher, the Holy Spirit, the helper, the guide on the inside, the revealer of truth that lives on the inside of each and every person here. So, Lord, we turn on the switch of faith tonight. We come with expectation knowing that your spirit is alive in us and that he is speaking. So, Lord, we just thank you for the word of God, that it is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, that your word works, and it's working in us both to will and to do your good pleasure. And, Lord, we just thank you that you are faithful to perform your word. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said amen and amen. All right, well, I've had something kind of ruminating for the last uh, probably few weeks. That's a new word. I, I thought, oh, that's kind of a cool word. Let her ruminating, marinating. There's another one. Um, but before I get into this thing, I had um, a couple of thoughts that I just jotted down in my notes like right before um, I left tonight. And I, I felt like they were some little nuggets that I wanted to lay out first and foremost in case I didn't get around to it later. Um, but three thoughts I had that's going to be kind of the preface to my message here. And number one, we need to learn to celebrate other people when they succeed. We need to learn. Well, that was that was interesting. Learning to celebrate others when they succeed. And then the second one, when you were faithful, God will make room for your gifting. You don't have to force your way through. You don't have to kick doors down. God will make room for your gifting. And I really believe, too, that when you learn to celebrate others, that door will swing right open for opportunity for God to use you. And then last but not least, just some thoughts I had, just a few little nuggets here. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips those in which he called. You don't have to look too far in the Gospels to see that that's pretty evident and clear. You know, Jesus didn't go to the synagogues and pick all the Pharisees that knew all the religious laws, but no, he picked fishermen. He picked everyday folk. He picked tax collectors and sinners, people like you and I, just regular people. And, uh, you know, you, you don't have to feel like, man, I, I got the, the giftings, I got the abilities. I tell you what, it's God's grace and his supernatural ability in you that goes beyond your natural ability. It's just God's opportunity to show off. You know, people that look at us and say, man, I don't even know how they did it. Well, it's evident that it's God at work in us, and he gets glory in that. All right, you guys ready? You sure? Okay. All right, tonight I want to talk about uh, the trap of comparing and competing. The trap of comparing and competing. You know, I really believe that this is, well, let's see if I can stay in my chair here. Um, 
that comparing and competing is one of the primary things that is going to rob us of peace and contentment in life. When we're looking at other people and what they're doing and what they got going on, you know, for a lot of us, it could start at an early age with sibling rivalry, and you're going after your siblings, and God forbid some parents saying, why couldn't you just be more like your brother? And then all of a sudden, that kid's got a complex, and then they're in this comparing and competing mode that is just robbing them of their confidence. It's robbing them of God's best for their life. You know, we could go as far to say as looking at celebrities and athletes and wishing that we had that their life and their status. Um, we compare ourselves amongst our friends, our coworkers, family members, um, you know, people that are in the same field of work that we're in. It's so easy to compare and compete with one another. But let me just add this plug in there. When it comes to the kingdom of God, the only one you're competing against is yourself. You are running your own individual race. When you stand at the judgment seat of Christ, nobody's going to be standing with you. You're going to be right there by yourself. And, and how we live this life is so key as to hear whether we hear well done or, well, you're done. <laughs> so I, I'd rather hear the, the, the first over the two for sure. Uh, but the, the body of Christ, I, I see it so much, and, and we're seeing so much disharmony and disunity amongst ourselves, and the enemy is using these tactics of comparing and competing to rob people of God's best for their life. He's actually, in doing that, he's actually getting them to step outside of their gifting and their calling because they're chasing after something God never intended them to chase after. He's getting them out there in no man's land where God doesn't want us. You know, we could think about, you know, from the ministry standpoint, man, I wish I could preach like that person, or I wish I could sing like that person, or, you know, we got people in marriages comparing marriages to one another, how they're raising kids, and, and oh, they do that so well, and, and we're always, you know, oftentimes get in that rut of what the Joneses are doing, rather what God is doing and wanting to do in your life. Come on now. I think this one kind of came to mind. I thought it was funny. But single people wishing they were married and married people wishing they were single. Sad but true. Guess what? There's pros and cons to whatever season you're in. So I encourage you, if you're not married, be glad about it. If you're married, rejoice in the wife of your youth or the husband that God has given you. So whatever season you're in, don't, don't get down on yourself. Don't get hard on, on where you're at. Embrace where you're at. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 17, I, I'm just going to kind of paraphrase it, but it's, it's, it's essentially talking about the body of Christ and that we're, it's one, we're all one body but members in particular. So I got fingers, I got an arm, I got an elbow, I got, a, I got an eyeball, I got an ear with maybe a little earwax build up in there. Now, I try to get a Q-tip in there once in a while, but, but, <laughs> but the point is, is we're all individual members. And the enemy loves nothing more than for you 
to get outside of your place. Because when you get outside of your place, then you're outside of the grace of God on your life from operating and making a maximum impact on the body of Christ. You know, we've heard that term, keeping up with the Joneses, man. If I could just keep up with the Joneses. I tell you what, you will run yourself ragged trying to keep up with the Joneses. It, it, it's exhausting. And, uh, you know, that, that's not what we need to be really focused on. This is, this is one of the primary uh, tactics and temptations of the enemy that he tries to put on us. And it is a distraction and it is destructive to you fulfilling your destiny in God, comparing and competing with others. You know, this, this was a problem 2,000 years ago with in, in the Apostle Paul's day. And even more so today when you think about social media. I didn't even get off on that uh, soapbox. Um, but social media has, has, has given people this complex to where there is so much comparing and competing going on with one another on social media that we are forgetting who we are. We are forgetting who we are in Christ. We are forgetting what I'm here to do, what I'm called to do. And it is completely distracting and derailing us from our destiny. And this social media craze is definitely one of the primary catalysts to get people off track. What is, this, what is um, comparing and competing doing? It's creating insecurities in people. It's cre creating discontentment and disharmony in the body of Christ. You know... We're ta we were talking a little bit about unity earlier. Well, if, if the enemy can get in and build that wedge to where we're constantly comparing and competing, it's going to keep us from uniting. You know, like I said at the beginning, those little nuggets for you, we need to celebrate other people. Because as we celebrate other people, God will make room for you. And just a little newsflash, jealousy is not one of the fruit of the Spirit. I know, it's, it, it, I can't believe that's not in the Bible, but, but jealousy is not one of the fruit of the Spirit. I like what Paul said, my fancy cl new clock app going, it ain't working here, that's all right. Um, but Paul stated in Philippians 4, 11 through 13, I'm just going to kind of paraphrase it here, but it says, I've learned whatever state I'm in to be content, whether in lack or abundance, and then it skips down to verse 13. No matter what state it is, whether I got an abundant overflow, whether I got more than enough, or whether I'm in lack, whether I'm in prison, whether I'm in stocks, whether I'm in chains, it doesn't matter anymore. I've learned whatever state I'm in to be content. Why? Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, I think about when I was in in high school, I got my first cell phone my junior year. That was back in 97. I think you guys were at Rama at the time. And uh, it was fairly large, and it had a nice antenna on it. And uh, before that, I think my sophomore year, I had a beeper, and then I upgraded to a cell phone my junior year. Um, but uh, I didn't even... And this sounds almost embarrassing to to admit this, but I didn't even know about text messaging until like 2007, when my 
when my youth pastor that I was serving under, he's like, I was meeting with him. I was just getting ready to go to Rama in 07. And I was like, yeah, you know, give me a call. He's like, yeah, I'll just shoot you a text. I was like, what's that? <laughs> we only did phone calls back then. Uh, but now with social media, I mean, things have just blown up and it's really just magnified this problem uh, and this tactic of the enemy with comparing and competing with one another. It's, it's really getting us off course. And I am all for social media, but just like money or anything else, it can be used for evil or it can be used for good. So we need to check up on ourselves and make sure we're using it for good because social media can be used to bring the gospel all across the world and bring Jesus back a whole lot sooner if we use it wisely. All right, so let's look at what God's Word has to say about comparing and, and competing. Uh, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read it in the NLT as well as the Amplified Classic just to kind of uh, bring it out a little bit more. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Let me grab a drink real quick. All right, 2 Corinthians 10, 12. You guys there? Oh, we got it up there. Oh, Joe, you, were John, you are Joe Cool. I tell you what, man, you are my boy. All right, 2 Corinthians 10, 12, NLT. You ready? It says, Oh, don't worry, we wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are, but they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. How ignorant. That, that, that's kind of a nice way of saying you're an idiot, man. Your measuring stick's all messed up. I like it in the Amplified Classic. It says, now that we have the audacity to venture to class or even to compare ourselves with some who exalt and furnish testimonials for themselves. So they're, they're, they're kind of puffing themselves up. They're trying to build their reputation here. However, when they measure themselves with themselves and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding and behave unwisely. So once again, this is just a dumb thing to do. Comparing ourselves to other people. It is the wrong measuring stick. Let me bring it into perspective. I got a couple of statements for you here. Christ is the only true standard of measurement. The Word of God is the only true standard of measurement. We got too many people out there putting their experiences above the Word of God. We need to allow the Word of God to begin to change our experiences, not try to, you know, tweak the Word of God to accommodate our experience. The Word of God is eternal and it's never changing. But if we allow the Word to change our experience, it will do that. So true success is measured, get this, True success is measured by obedience to God's word and his will. True success is measured by our obedience to God's word and his will. So I got two types of comparison I want to go over real quick here. Two types of comparison. We got the upward comparison. 
This is where we look up at people, almost putting them on pedestals like they walk on water. Um, you find yourself lifting them up while at the same time you're actually putting yourself down. This upward comparison, we're, we're, we're lifting people up and saying, wow, how great they are. You know what? That, that, that's going a little bit too far with it. We need to appreciate other people. We need to acknowledge the gifts and the calling of God on, on, on people's lives. And, and, and thank you for your encouragement earlier. We need to do that stuff. But there's a difference between um, looking up to people and putting people up on pedestals. Because the only one that should be up on the pedestal, there's only one that needs to be on the throne, and that's Jesus himself. So if there's some things in your heart that have taken precedence, that have taken uh, priority, that, that you got other idols and, and things in this life sitting on the throne of your heart, I encourage you to repent and tear those things down right now because there's only room for one, and it's Jesus himself. We don't want him to just be Savior, but he is Lord and Master of our lives. And our lives, the way that we live, the way that we talk, the way, the, the priorities that we have, it, it'll be evident as to what those things are. So don't put people up on pedestals. Admire people, but put Jesus on the throne. Because this upward comparison, what, what is the aftermath of that? It can leave us defeated and discouraged. It can, it, can, it can cause us to feel like, man, I can never seem to get it done. I can never seem to hit the mark. Uh, from the social media standpoint, we need to be careful not to compare someone's so-called highlight reels on their social media to one of your mediocre days. Because we're looking at them, and, and by the way, that's just a facade anyway. You know, it's, it's very glossed over. It's not reality, you know. Uh, people always want to put their best foot forward, you know, but there's always a story behind it. And, and, and be careful about wishing you had somebody else's life because you might be saying, man, I'd, I'd like to get back in my shoes again. <laughs> Because it, it can look good on the outside, but there can be a lot of torment behind closed doors. Okay, the second one, and I'm trying to wind this down. Man, we started late. Um, the second one is downward comparison. This is where we look down on others to make ourselves feel better. You guys tracking with me so far? This is where we look down on others to, to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. What's the downfall in this downward comparison? It's going to produce pride in you, which can also lead to complacency. In other words, I'm doing better than they are, so I really don't have to push myself to go any farther in life. It's going to cause you to put on the brakes and kick back in the lazy boy because you're just looking over there and say, well, I'm better off than they are, so I can just live on cruise control and not be driven to go for farther and to go after God with, with every fiber of my being 
that downward comparison will hinder and stunt your growth and will cause pride to rise up in your heart and a spirit of complacency which will stop you dead in your tracks. Mm, This is good. All right. Uh, The Berean Study Bible says, For by by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. And I'm just going to add in there, too, because it wouldn't be unscriptural. Don't think of yourself more highly nor more lowly than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment according to the measure of faith God has given you. So God has given each of us a measure of faith or a supply to bring to the table. You have something valuable to offer those in your circle, those in your sphere of influence. You have a supply. You have a measure of faith. God has given you at least a talent. Do something with it. And don't be jealous of the one who has two or five or ten. Because you might start with one, but we serve a God of multiplication. What is the fruit of faithfulness? It's multiplication. He says, you've been faithful with little, I'll make you ruler over much. You've been faithful with two, I'm going to give you four. You've been faithful with five, I'm going to give you ten. Faithfulness produces multiplication. God is a God of multiplication. I'm preaching. So how do we shake off comparison? I'm winding this thing down. How do we shake off these chains of comparison? Number one, it is we got to stay in our lane. We need to stay in our lane. We need to embrace the unique gifts and callings of God on our lives and not be jealous of other people, not wishing, man, I had that or I had that over here, or, man, they're more anointed than me. You know what? You are anointed, and God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and people around you are dependent upon you getting in your place so that the body of Christ at large can function at full capacity. Stay in your lane. I, I like this analogy. You know, you're, you're driving down the road, and say you're in the right-hand lane, and you're in, you're in rush hour traffic, and you're getting flustered and frustrated, and you need to get to your destination. What do you do? You do a radical, you know, dramatic cha- lane change trying to get over to the left lane because it seems like they're moving faster than your lane. And what happens? You almost cause a car wreck, and hit the guy in front of you and maybe get hit behind you. You barely make it over. You almost cause an accident. What happens after that? All of a sudden, the lane you're in starts moving and passes you up. That's exactly what happens spiritually. Just be patient. Just hold fast. It may seem like other people are moving along faster than you, but if you stay in your lane, God is not only a multiplier, but he's in the supernatural acceleration business. He will redeem the time. And in these last days, he's wanting to accomplish so much more in so little time. He's got a lot to get done. And what took 10 to 15 years to get done before, he's going to accomplish it in the next two to three to four years because he needs to accelerate things. But stay in your lane. We're going with other people. We got people on our side. We're doing life together. But don't cross over. 
Let the fear of the Lord and the love of God govern you and be your bumpers to keep you in your lane. His plan for you, His plans for you are the best, and they are already blessed. Remember, you are God's masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Why? So we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. But you got to be in position. you got to stay in your lane. you got to stir up the gift of God on the inside of you, as Paul told Timothy. Stir up that gift. Because if you are getting trapped in comparing and competing, the gift of God in your life is lying dormant. It's in there, but it's not moving. It's not working. He's got plans for us. He's got work for us to do. So stay in your lane. Number two, keep your eyes on Jesus. And I'm closing here. Hebrews 12, 1-2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Let me just stop there for a minute. There are uh, heroes of faith that have gone before us. You have probably family members that have gone before us that are in heaven that are cheering us on down here. They're saying, stick with it. You got this. Stay in your lane. Keep your eyes on Jesus, and I will see to it that you go all the way. Just don't let go of me. We got people down here and being in the local church that are celebrating you, that are cheering you on, that God will use to help draw out those gifts and callings out of your life so that you can get in your place in the body of Christ. God is not withholding anything from you. It goes on to say, so let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. How do we do this? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So the work that he started, he shall complete it. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. If you dare to stay in your lane, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, there is grace for your place. So embrace your uniqueness. Embrace your quirks. Embrace even your insecurities. Because Paul said in uh, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, that God's strength or grace... Those two go hand in hand. That God's grace and strength is perfected in our weakness. And then keeping our eyes on Jesus. Staying in the Word. Staying in prayer. Cutting loose of the weights and sins that can hold us back. Solomon said this in his book, uh, chapter 2, verse 15. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. I'm, I'm done with this, but I feel like I had to get that verse out. It is the little foxes that spoil the vine. In other things, it's not these big, massive things that you're looking for in your life that's so out of whack. Man, you know, you're looking at these big things that, man, I got all these things I got to change and rearrange so I can 
fulfill what God's called me to do. It's the little things. It's the minor tweaks here and there. Most of you are not far off course. He's just saying just a little tweak here, a little adjustment there, and you will be in position to walk out my plans and purposes for your life. Well, let's pray. Let's, let's bow down, bow our heads. Joe, come on up here for a minute. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, Father, we just lift you up tonight. We thank you for the Word of God. We thank you, Lord, that you're not finished with us yet. You're just getting started. And Father, I just thank you for the Word of God, that it does not return void, but it accomplishes what you set it out to do. Father, I thank you that the Word is planted on fertile ground in people's hearts, that that seed, that seed always produces. The Word always produces. So Lord, I just speak over the hearts of people that their, that their hearts are fertile to receive that seed that always produces. So that, Lord, that, that the Word of God can, can germinate in their hearts. That the Word of God, that the promises of God, which are yes and amen, can become a reality in their lives. Now more than ever, we need the Word of God. If you're here tonight and you're saying, Terry, you know, I, I've allowed comparing or competing, or I'll even broaden the scope a little, if, if you've allowed any kind of other weights and sins to ensnare you, if you'd allowed other things to come and sit on the throne of your heart, and you're saying, Terry, I got I to gotta tear that stuff down. Take just 10 seconds to say, Lord, forgive me. I tear those things down. I tear those idols down off the throne of my heart so Jesus can be my first true love, my very best friend, and the center of my life. Thank you, Lord. If you're here and you're saying, Terry, I haven't made Jesus Lord of my life, or maybe you've backslidden and you're saying, you know, I, I, I used to serve the Lord, but I've gotten off track. If that's you, just, just lift your hand up to heaven. I, I, I'd like to pray with you. I'd like to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Well, Father, I just thank you for each and every person here. And God, I just thank you that you, Holy Spirit, are the convictor and the revealer of truth. So, Lord, I just thank you for your loving correction for all of us tonight. It is the little foxes that spoil the vine that we can uh, detect those things in our lives and get them out. And that you can prune us and fine-tune us, correct us and direct us, so that we can stay in our lane, keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, and run the race that you have set before us. Thank you, Father. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, guys. God bless you. Uh, we're going to have some hangout and some hospitality and some root beer floats. So if you're not in a hurry, feel free and uh, hang out for a while with some good faith friends. God bless you guys.